uh, kind of new to Grace Community Fellowship, we, we laugh here. We have a lot of enjoyment here, and so glad to have John on our staff. Now, so my challenge coming out of this is that we just laughed a lot, and now i got to give a message to redirect our thing. So uh, here we go, here we go. I have an awesome haircut. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I just have an... I just have it over. No, it's not, not a game right now. Many. They told me not to move around too much. Okay, so many, many people actually come to Grace Community Fellowship because I have an outstanding, stylish haircut. In fact, many people are watching online right now. I know you watch online because zoom in on me and I have this amazing haircut and you. You actually attend and watch because of my amazing haircut. And I, I actually have a personal stylist, and you may not know that. So a number of years ago, I'm preaching up front in church, and a young lady sitting over in that corner leaned over and told her friend, he has a lousy haircut. <laughs> I want, she's a stylist. She goes, I want to get a hold of that head of hair. And so this young lady actually joins my small group. And then pretty soon I'm like, okay, I heard about this conversation. I'll just go and let her cut my hair. So I uh, show up at this upscale, high-end, stylish place, styling place for hair. And I'm feeling very uncomfortable because this is not my father's barbershop. <laughs> and I show up at this and then I realize as she's cutting my hair that haircuts are 50 bucks there. And if you know me at all, you know that I'm, I, I'm a tightwad, so this is hard for me. So going through this haircut, and then, and then she puts product in my hair. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then she gives me a, a sample to take home. So I get home, and Mary goes, how's the haircut? I said, I have product. <laughs> so anyway, so... Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm there at the hairstylist place, and, and I go to check out, and she goes, free haircut for this guy. I said, no, 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 we're not doing that. So I'm having an argument with my hairstylist who goes to church here at the register of this high-end stylish place, and, and then the person who's taking the money, I've known that person since she's in the fifth grade. I mean, I, I, mean, I just happened, that's just, and we're having an argument in front of these people. I'm paying, no, you're not. Then I said this, I'm your pastor, I'm twice your age, I'm paying. And she goes, he can pay the minimum $6, and she walked off. <laughs> so I'm having none of that. So I gave them my credit card, and I gave her a $50 tip on top of the $6. <laughs> how about this? But here's the thing, once you get going there, how do you stop? I mean, she's part of the, my small group and part of the church, and, and then I'm like, Holy cow, it's not my father's barbershop, and I'm a little bit. But you know what? I have great-looking hair. <laughs> it's stylish. It's trendy. And a lot of people are into style and trendy, right? Right? Trendy is just something that we tend to move toward, right? There are trends like shoes are trends, right? And then we have music trends as well. Ariana Grande, we have lots of things that are trendy and flashy, and we are attracted to those things as well. So now then, some of you, I realize, don't come to grace because of my hair. <laughs> some of you don't, but here's our big idea. Here's what we're going to talk about. Here's what we're going to talk about. Don't look for flash. Look for truth. So we can look for a lot of flashy things, right? In fact, I was going to buy a new pair of tennis shoes up here, and I thought, I'd have to buy really expensive ones to be trendy, and I'm a tightwad. So. so it seems like to me that often we can get fixated on trendy 
on flash, especially when there's no substance to the trend or the flash. But what we need to do as Jesus followers is look for truth as well. Okay, that's, that's where we're at. And by all accounts, the Apostle Paul was not a flashy person. In fact, if you read through Scripture in his letters, it seems like he had a, just a kind of a normal appearance, like he was nothing to behold. And in fact, people complained that he wasn't even a flashy speaker, right? And they said, hey, your letters are kind of strong and they're okay, but in person, you're a loser, Paul. You know, that's kind of the, you're a nobody. And so we've been going through this letter in the New Testament where that's becoming an issue. And the issue is that some people in this church in the first century, just some 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus in the city of Corinth, a metropolitan area at that time in the Roman world, that um, uh, Paul was viewed as this person who had no flash, no persuasiveness. And so people started following those who were really flashy at speech. They were good speakers. And they were good communicators and all this thing. But the problem was this, that they began to teach that Jesus isn't really the Son of God. Or that you need to become Jewish first to become a Christian. Or it's not really by faith alone in Christ. Oh, the resurrection, you know, that's not such a big deal. And so Paul has to address some of those things. And so in that process, right, it looks like people are gravitating toward the flashy. And the problem with that, Paul really recognizes, is this, that it erodes the gospel message. Because he's talking about faith alone and Christ alone, the resurrection is true. He spent an entire chapter in 1 Corinthians on the resurrection. Why? Because people were, were doubting that as well. And so the very gospel is at stake, is what's happening. So I want us to read just two verses to begin with in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10. We'll look at two verses. And if you don't have a Bible, here they are on the screen. And so Paul's going to address this issue about people going for these persuasive, misleading speakers. Okay. And he goes, by the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I'm away. That's the charge against. He's kind of repeating it. Right? And he goes, I beg you that when I come, when I show up, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be toward some people who think we live by the standards of this world. So he's got this accusation of some people that he's just living a worldly life. And he says that, you know, he started out soft on people, firm on the issues, but that's going to change quickly. In fact, he uses the word humility and gentleness. And some of you, if you have study Bibles, it'll tell you this little tidbit that those words used together 90% of the time means leniency and clemency. In other words, the first go around, they got a lenient response from Paul, even a clemency thing like he maybe should have been pretty forceful with them. And at this point, instead of, you know, he kind of gave them probation the first time. But he says, not so this next time when I get there. I, it's not going to be quite like that because everybody's buying into the flash. Okay? And in the process, the content is gone. So I might say this, that in one sense, there's nothing wrong with flash and trends, but it's the content behind them. And when you have flash and no content, you're going to slip away into false teaching. Okay? So here's what Paul says next. So then he's getting with it. Verse 3 says, For though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. 
We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And when I read that section, I know the context of these flashy flashy folks and, and the misleading things they are saying and drawing people into that, that Paul is going to give us some really incredible wisdom about this is really a spiritual battle. And the weapons that we are, you know, that we are not human weapons, this is a spiritual thing as well. So Paul, I think, gives us, I'm going to give us three ways to avoid the flash to make sure that we're grounded in the truth. How's, how's that? We're going to look at three ways. Here's the first one. We tend to value what matters least. And you want to talk about style and trends, and they're saying, He's, Paul's not flashy. In the Greco-Roman world, people who were orators were elevated. They're just spiffy speakers. And so it didn't matter about the content, about what they were actually saying. And so they were buying into that. Well, what about us? Are there things that we value that probably are not that important and we set priorities and things that really don't have that that much time so uh maybe a year ago i switched to the dark side i have an iphone <laughs> oh yeah yeah so then trying to figure out this iphone thing because i've been an android person and then i didn't realize this but i think it's on sunday it pops up on my phone it tells me how much screen time i've had i don't like that <laughs> Because it tells me how much time I've wasted. And I'm, you know, just wasting time. And I'm looking at that screen time thing. How do I turn that off? <laughs> and it reminds me that, you know, I'm kind of going after things that probably don't matter that much. The least of these things, right? We tend to value those things we see on social media and that kind of stuff. And we value money, right? And maybe we put too much emphasis on that. Or we value recreation to the extent that we ditch other things, right? And to the extent that we maybe never go to church, we never read our Bible, you know, to the extent we value recreation and those things, and then we just further, here's what happens, we, we isolate ourselves spiritually, and then we begin to flounder some. Or some people value streaming. Anybody streaming? Anybody value streaming? Oh, nobody, nobody wants to admit it. So, so we value streaming. So here's what I did the other day. I was... Um, I asked, I, I asked somebody, hey, what are you streaming? What, what are you streaming? And I asked one of the staff members, what, what are you streaming? I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to give their, I'll just give you their initials, Kalia Washington. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I said, so I'm getting it right here. <laughs> here she is. So I said, what are you streaming? She goes, oh, The Bachelor. I said, what? She goes, oh, don't, don't judge me. And if you say it in, in church, I'm going to deny it. <laughs> right, right. So we've streamed things. We value other things. And we tend to value things that really don't matter very much in life as well. We value sports. We value achieving. All those kinds of things. It happened in church settings, too. We can value, hey, what kind of songs are they singing? Because I value different songs. Or, or I don't like that kind of a guitar. I want a different kind of a guitar. Or, or I value that program, a certain kind of program, wherever, wherever that is. And that's what I, what I value. Or I value certain kinds of topics. I wish we would talk about these topics and not those topics. And don't talk about money again. And if you bring up sex, let somebody else talk about it next time, Steve. So anyway, so we value certain 
things as, and often what we do is we confuse truth with preferences. And we're in a whole lot of hurt when we value truth over, you know, preferences and truth, and we get those mixed up as well, as well. But our belief and what we believe and what we hang on to is the driving force behind our lifestyles. It's the driving force behind how I live my life. Right? And so I need to be clear on what my priorities are and what's really most important. I read an article this week about somebody who locked their baby in a car in Texas. It's really hot in Texas. Hot. So it was 99 degrees that day, and the baby and the mom and the aunt were frantically trying to get inside the vehicle, and they were trying to you know, get coat hangers and screwdrivers, trying to get the, you know, the, the vehicle open, and a man was happened to be in the parking lot and he was a tow truck driver and so he said hey the baby he goes man the baby was turning blue it looked terrible and so I took a tire iron and busted out the rear the rear window and uh, got in there and got the thing open and you would think oh you're the hero no he was the goat of the mom and the aunt for breaking the window when certainly we could have gotten in you know and and so but really what matters most, right? right? And sometimes we get a skewed priorities, skewed values, and we tend to value things that matter the least instead of valuing the things that really matter the most as well. And we get our priorities out of sync. I think Paul would say this. Num- number two, a growing faith values what matters most. Values what matters most. So let's read our passage one more time. And it says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Then he says, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. So he's saying things like prayer and scripture and things like that. On the contrary, they have divine power. What does this divine power do? He's going to give a list here. Demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And Paul's using military terms here with a double meaning in this passage, but, but what we need to recognize is that we don't fight out of our own human willpower in life as well. And we need to realize that there is a real battle, there is a heaven, there is a hell, there is this natural world we see in a spiritual battle. We need to be very aware of those things, and sometimes we ignore those things. But Paul's saying those things are real. And the things that we need to be aware of is our thinking. It's all about our thinking is what he's talking about. The way we think, what we value, what is the priorities that we have in life is what he is talking about. And we need the right spiritual weapons. And in my experience as a pastor for 30 plus years now is that sincere believers can, can, you know, we can get saved but then we still have sin in our lives and we still struggle with certain things, whether it's anger, bitterness, resentment, wanting our own way, selfishness. We still battle with those things, right? And that's what the Corinthians were battling with because they were gravitating to what matters least. Flashy speakers and doctrine that wasn't very good. So Paul's identifying this and he's calling them strongholds in our thinking and when Paul wrote this, this word stronghold, it had to do with the idea, very common in the ancient world, that a city would have a, uh, be like a fortress, have a big wall around it. And those walls might be 10, 15, 20 feet high, but they'd be wide. They'd be six, eight, 10 feet wide. 
and they would have chariots on those. People would live in the walls as well. So that was kind of like a, a, a stronghold. And, you know, that's what he's alluding to there, literally, and chariots could run around it. I was in, I was in Hyderabad, India once, a big thousand-year-old fort there. Uh, it's a now a historical place, but the walls were huge. And some of you have been in other countries where they have ruins like that, and it's, it's, it's kind of like a stronghold that people could literally live in and defend themselves, okay? And we use those terms strongholds, too. Even today, we might say that, well, the insurgent troops have a stronghold in this area of Iraq or Yemen or whatever, and so it's kind of a stronghold. But when Paul's talking about stronghold and using military terms, he's talking about your mind, the way that we think. That's what he's talking about, and he's saying this is a spiritual battle in our minds. So, so I would call it this way, that, that a spiritual stronghold is any attitude, knowledge, philosophy, teachings, or mindsets that oppose God. And we all have those. We, we do, and we need to be aware of those and take those count, because when we don't, then we're not going after truth. We're going after things that maybe don't matter so much in life. And so what, when I talk about truth, we need that baseline of truth. Jesus is truth. Scripture is truth. Some of you in the carpentry business or some other kinds of professions, and you have to use a plumb line, right? A string with a weight on it. Surveyors use those too. And so, so it's kind of like, hey, I know the line is straight right here. What's that for us? And that, that truth, that baseline, governs everything that we do. It needs to permeate our thinking, and it needs to be our filter in our head for everything, for our relationships, for the way that we conduct our lives as well. Jesus came. He is the Son of God. He died and rose again. Anyone who believes in him will have eternal life. That's a plumb line. It's all about Jesus and Scripture. And we need to compare everything to Jesus when it comes to that. So Scripture, Jesus, that's our, that's our truth for us. And it helps us to grab hold of, take captive every thought that we have in our lives. Even, you know, it transforms our thinking as well. Now, sometimes we think this. We think, I can just get some information, and it's just information. It's not going to change the way I live my life. Well, there's a problem with that, actually, I think, because sometimes we can get inundated with information that is incorrect, and it's not godly. It's a philosophy, a mindset, an attitude that is opposed to God, and then all of a sudden, over time, we're slipping into that. That can happen, right? That can happen. And it's funny because the Hebrew word for teach and learn in several instances is the exact same word. Because if you haven't learned anything, there is no teaching. So the basic idea is simply that, that we need to be aware that information by itself, it can be harmful to us. We have to be able to, to, to screen that in our lives because information will change us. We need a reference point. A reference point. That's Jesus. That's the scripture as well. You know, one thing about absolute truth, absolute truth, is that it transcends culture to culture to culture, year to year to year, century to century to century, millennia to millennia to millennia. It, it, it just transcends all of those things. And if it's true in Eugene, Oregon, it's also true in Kenya. Got it? 
because it's true. There is only one God. Jesus is the Son of God. Those things are true in every culture, in every time period. And that's what's so amazing about Jesus and about Scripture. It is transferable. It's the same yesterday, today, and in the future as well. And Paul wants us to know that we need this baseline of truth because it can demolish these, these thinking that is not correct. And we can buy into those things so easily as well. They're not innocuous at all. Hey, I just want us to take another look at a different scripture this morning too that I think relates. Ephesians 4.26, In your anger do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. So I want you to think about that word foothold for a minute because I think it's going to relate to stronghold. So bear with me for a second. So depending on the translation in your hand, it could say foothold. It could say uh, opportunity. Don't give the devil opportunity. Or don't give the devil a place. Okay. So, and they're all translating this word topos. We get the word topography from it. And it literally means a place. But the idea of this place is a little bit different because it's talking about a place where there is jurisdiction, a place that grabs a hold of us. It's like a stronghold inside of us. And we need to be aware that often those get triggered. And in this case, he's talking about anger as well. So it's describing a realm, a place, a stronghold, an opportunity that can, that can, that can take us captive. And that's why Paul relates the strongholds and places and opportunities and footholds. He's saying that in our minds is where the real struggle is. That's where it's at. And you struggle with feelings of inadequacy, struggles of insecurity, struggling with selfishness and those kinds of things. And often if it's bitterness and resentment, it just takes hold. I don't know if you knew this, but Satan has a branch. He, he's, in a, he's in an expansion program. Right? He's expanding. And he's trying to pick off people. And he's trying to sway us into other directions. I was uh, in my office, uh, what day was it? Wednesday. And this guy walks into my office, and he's a retired football coach. And I said, hey, uh, I just read that the games are lost at the line of scrimmage. I shouldn't have said that because he was off to the races telling me everything about lines of scrimmage and about football stuff, and I went, holy cow. Now then, I want you to picture this. Your mind is the line of scrimmage. It's where the battle is won or lost. The way that we think influences the way we feel, influences the way we live. So the battle, the line of scrimmage is right up here. And Paul is saying that divine power can crush bad thinking. Divine power can transform your thinking. Divine power can take those strongholds that have captivated you in some areas of your life and change things. That's what Paul is talking about. And we need to be aware of those things as well. So you got to really watch what you think. Be aware of that. Yogi Berra, you know, he was a baseball player. He goes, 90% uh, of the game of baseball is half mental. 
always wondered about that quote, right? right? Well, here's the fact. Spiritual warfare, 100% mental. 100%. The way we think. The way we think. But a maturing faith is going to value certain things. It's going to value Jesus. A maturing faith is going to value community. Community is so important, the way that we have harmony and relate to each other as well. Community values serving, using our gifts and our talents as well. Whenever uh, uh, someone serves, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. Generosity, something we should value. Living like Jesus, helping other, others grow in their faith, caring about other people. Those are things that a maturing faith values. But what do we do? We tend to value what is least, and sometimes what is least is what is flashy and trendy. We've gotten caught up into that. Apostle Paul is beating that down. Here's the third thing. Third thing I want us to think about today. You need to surrender the least to focus on what matters most. Doesn't that make sense? Surrender those least things, exchange those out, focus on what matters the most. Let's read this verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. See the end result? Obedience to Christ. I can be like Jesus. Isn't that my my goal? To be Christ-like? To be conformed to the image of Christ? And often that's going to begin in our hearts and our minds. I say minds, uh, the Hebrew person would say heart. The Greeks would probably say the mind. Whatever. We're talking about what's going on inside of us as well. I had a uh, friend who, uh, he was playing basketball three days a week, like at 6.30 in the morning. He goes, Steve, my routine was Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'd get up at 5.30, beat it down to the gym, play my hour, hour and 15 minutes of basketball, shower and change, and go to, go to work. And he said, I finally realized that I needed to change that because I wasn't involved in a, in a, in a, in a meaningful small group at, my, at church. I wasn't really reading the Bible. Something had to change. What had to go was the basketball. Now, for, for some people, it's like, that's, that's a big deal, right? You're a sports person. But he exchanged the lesser for the greater. So let me ask you, what needs to change in your life? What do you need to exchange the lesser for the greater? That's a good, so on your way home, think about that. You can even say, Pastor Steve has a terrible haircut, but let's talk about lesser and greater, <laughs> right? Let's, let's just talk about that as well. And it's easy to say, hey, I've trusted the, uh, uh, Jesus Christ and my Savior. I'm good to go. But let's just think that whole idea through a little bit. Sure, you've crossed the line of faith, but are you growing? Are you maturing in your faith? I want you to think of it this way. You have a car. You have a title to the car. It's your car. But you've taken your keys and handed them to somebody else. Still your car, but you've turned over the keys. That's what we've done when we bought into the lesser and not gone for the greater. So, what do you need to do to change that, to flip that around? 
Everyone has toxic beliefs, and those drives our behaviors and, and our emotions. And we tell ourselves, well, that's not really going to impede my life. That kind of, I'm not bought into that. But are you? Think that through. Surrender. Give up those keys. Grab onto what you should value most. Well, how do I do that? I think one way is that you can, as I said, Scripture. Are you reading the Bible? Prayer. Are you, are you praying? Do you have meaningful community with some other people in, in, a, in a meaningful way? I've talked to so many people during COVID who I would say the air is out of their sails, the balloon is empty, and they're left with hardly any kind of meaningful walk with Jesus. And I believe wholeheartedly that one of the reasons is a failure, failure to connect with others relationally, community. And you say, I got all these COVID things, but you know what? You have to figure that out. Think of it this way. You got a fire. It's burning hot. You pull out one log. It go, the one log goes out. And that's what happens to a lot of people. I would challenge you. Change your thinking about that. Romans chapter 12 says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true, proper worship. And then this phrase especially, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind needs to be removed. Paul knew that. He knew that so much. He started this church at Corinth. A lot of people were there at this church. started about 50 A.D., it began to grow, and he leaves for a while, goes starts other churches, and then flash and trend take over, and Paul's having to address those issues as well. As well. I was, uh, many years ago, I went to a basketball game at Oregon State University. Gill Coliseum. Yeah, you can clap. Okay, okay. Okay, so, so here's the deal. I had a friend in town who knew the coach of the opposing team, and the opposing team was athletes in action, a campus state thing. So, so uh, our, our little boys at the time got to sit on the, at the bench to be ball boys at this Oregon State game. That's a pretty cool thing. So we walk in, and, man, they get us sit on the, at the bench. You know where I sat? Three rows from the top at Gill Coliseum in the nosebleed section. <laughs> need binoculars to see the court from there. My gosh. And then I look down on the bench, there's my kids. They're right there seeing all the action. I'm like, why did I even go? Anyway. So then the coach of Athletes and Action looks way up and sees his old college roommate and me. And then he goes over and tells an usher, go get those guys. So they came all the way up to the top. And now we're walking down the steps. I'm going to sit on the front row. <laughs> and then the usher goes, oh. I said, I'm with him. And he goes, well, I'm with the coach over there. Oh, I'm with him. If you want to change your thinking, you need to realize who you're with. I'm with Jesus. That changes everything. And when you get your focus off of Jesus Christ and onto other things of lesser importance, you will struggle. You will struggle emotionally. 
you will struggle with your thinking. You may have increased anxiety and worry. But you need to remember, who are you with? And that is how we begin to mature in our faith. I'm with him. So I get a pass to be on the front row. That's why I say this. Don't necessarily look for the flash. Look for truth. And that truth is Jesus. Let's get that straight. He's the plumb line. He's the baseline. He's the one that makes all the difference in our lives as well. I'm going to pray right now. And as I pray, I'm going to give you just kind of a moment to uh, reflect and maybe, maybe pray and do some business with God too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your son Jesus and that we're with him. We invite you to change our hearts, change our thinking. And maybe right now as you contemplate these things, there are things in your life that are of lesser value and you place too much value on those. Maybe you just need to talk to God about that. and Maybe something's coming to your mind right now. I, I focus too much on this. Just do, let's talk to God for the next 10 seconds. Lord, we thank you that through your son Jesus, we have the divine power through the Holy Spirit to take captive the line of scrimmage our thinking. We pray that you would help us to focus on what's most important. We pray that in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.